Ah, welcome to John Banks' Civil War Blog Podcast. This is a really big day. This is something that I've always wanted to do, and I found the means to do it. So this is the debut of the podcast, episode one. And today we're going to talk about uh, the 1893 collapse at Ford's Theater, a really little-known story that I wrote about for Civil War Times in a recent issue. It was the August 2019 issue, which actually came out several weeks ago. So we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about plans for the podcast uh, in the future. Uh, The intent is to have uh, lots of Civil War guests. There's so many fascinating people out there in the Civil War community and we're going to have them on the podcast and uh, just have conversations with those very interesting folks. Uh, I think you'll enjoy that. But we're going to make this as lively as we can make it. There's a lots of Civil War stuff in the news. Uh, we're going to avoid the lost cause stuff and uh, the monument stuff and focus on Uh, The human interest stories from the Civil War, uh, battlefield visits, uh, all that type of stuff. And stories that uh, you may have read on my blog or my Facebook page. Uh, I like to focus on uh, the little-known stories about uh, people who have been been pushed to the the margins of history. Um, We're coming from uh, international headquarters here in Nashville, Tennessee. And if you've been to Nashville before, uh, you'll know that uh, if you ever walk around down on Broadway, uh, you'll see that it's often quite lively with uh, drunks and uh, other tourists raising hell. Uh, I live uh, fairly close to downtown, several blocks from downtown, and I can hear some of those friendly people right now out by the, uh, the pool at the luxurious uh, Banks Manor here in downtown Nashville. Hopefully they won't be too loud here as we uh, proceed on the debut podcast of John Banks' Civil War blog podcast. Uh, but quite nice surroundings. Been here in Tennessee for about a year. And what's really cool about it is the opportunity to visit so many uh, Civil War sites in Tennessee, they're all fairly close. Uh, Shiloh is about two hours away. Uh, Lookout Mountain, which is fabulous. If you've never been to Lookout Mountain, I highly, highly recommend it. That's about two hours away to the east. Uh, Chickamauga Battlefield is, is nearby, uh, near Lookout Mountain, too. Uh, really, really neat place to live with all this Civil War history. And of course, you have Franklin, which is 18 miles, 17 or 18 miles south of, uh, of Nashville. I'm slightly directionally challenged, so uh, I believe that. Yeah, it's definitely south. And if, you ever, if you've never been to Franklin, of course, there's the Carton Plantation and the uh, Fountain Carter uh, uh, house and outbuildings, the, the bullet riddle outbuildings there are really special to see. And of course, they're restoring that battlefield uh, 
Uh, it'll never be restored to what it looked like on November 30th, 1864. That's impossible because the plain upon which uh, John Bell Hood's Army of Tennessee advanced that day is all a residential neighborhood or uh, uh, residential neighborhood and, and uh, uh, shopping, little strip malls, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to have to uh, bring an imagination if you want to uh, try to understand the Franklin battlefield. It's a little bit difficult to understand, but they're making progress in restoring some areas of that field. So it's pretty cool. So there's a lot to see Civil War related here in Tennessee. Um, just to catch you up on some things, I write uh, uh, in every issue, very fortunate to write for Civil War Times. I have a, a column called Rambling, and I've been busy this summer doing reporting for uh, my Rambling column and doing several stories for America's Civil War also. Uh, back in May, Father's Day weekend, uh, I was in Harrisonburg, Virginia to report a column on uh, Ken Rutherford, who's a uh, professor at James Madison University. He's a quite interesting man. Uh, he has written a book on Civil War landmines, and we spent the day visiting uh, Port Republic uh, the Cross Keys Battlefield, uh, also went out to uh, the Piedmont Battlefield, 1864 Piedmont Battlefield, uh, where Confederate General uh, William Grumble Jones was killed. And what's interesting about the Piedmont Battlefield is that uh, it's relatively pristine. Uh, it's all farmland out there, and we saw Ken... Uh, very knowledgeable, uh, pointed out uh, the field where Grumble Jones was killed uh, during the Battle of Piedmont in 1864. And uh, Grumble Jones, by the way, could be the, the greatest Civil War nickname. I think uh, Mrs. Banks often, uh, I think she would like that nickname for me too, by the way. Grumble, Grumble, Grumble Banks kind of has a certain ring to it. Uh, so in a future issue of Civil War Times, you'll be able to read uh, my piece on visiting uh, Port Republic, Cross Keys, and the Piedmont Battlefields with Ken Rutherford, uh, who, again, is a professor at James Madison University. Quite the interesting man. We, uh, we enjoyed a beer or two in Harrisonburg during our visit. Um, also recently... Um, have visited Shiloh several times, and in a future issue of America's Civil War, uh, I'll have a piece on the uh, plaques and tablets that you see on that battlefield that were uh, put there uh, under the direction, largely under the direction of veterans uh, in the 1890s and in the early 20th century. Uh, those tablets and plaques uh, are like works of art. They're very beautiful, color-coded, just terrific to see. Some of them need a paint job, and I'm told by the National Park Service that they're painted on a rotating basis every three years. Uh, so I'll have a piece on that in a future issue of America's Civil War. Uh, also, uh, 
on my trip down to Shiloh, uh, I stopped in Savannah, Tennessee, uh, which for those who do not know, Savannah, Tennessee is the catfish capital of Tennessee. Who knew? Uh, that was an interesting little tidbit that I found out as I spent uh, a brief amount of time uh, along the Tennessee River there to check out the Cherry Mansion, uh, Cherry Mansion, which is on uh, the Tennessee River on the bluffs above the Tennessee River. And that is the, it's a private house now, so don't go up and knock on the door. Uh, but there are Civil War trails signs uh, outside the house and another historical marker there. The reason that place is important is uh, a couple things. Um, one, uh, two federal generals uh, died there. One was William Wallace, who was mortally wounded uh, at Shiloh on April 6th, 1862. And then the other general, I believe, let me uh, just double check to make sure I have that right. I believe it was Charles Smith, uh, who uh, Ulysses Grant was quite fond of. Uh, I believe he was also, he, he died in that uh, mansion also from uh, dysentery and a, and a foot injury, I believe it was. And the mansion is really, uh, again, it's a private dwelling. Uh, it's very neat to see. Uh, right above the uh, on the bluffs of the Tennessee River, yeah, it was General uh, General Smith uh, also died there. Um, uh, and then what was neat about that house is that that's where Grant, on the morning of April sixth, eighteen sixty-two, Grant is having coffee, uh, I believe, shortly after dawn, and all of a sudden hears the boom of a cannon upriver uh, and which signaled to him that there was a battle upriver and I believe his quote was the ball is opened and he got on a uh, on a boat and was transported up the uh, up the Tennessee River uh, to direct uh, troops at the Battle of Shiloh uh, also visited there and again that's in uh, the cherry man cherry mansion is in Savannah Tennessee which as I mentioned is uh, the uh, catfish capital of Tennessee. Who knew? Uh, also recently, and I'm, I'm sort of giving you a, re- I feel like I'm giving you a recap of my summer vacation, but uh, I spend almost all my free time exclusively uh, digging into uh, Civil War stories. This is a neat one. A um, few weeks ago, uh, I drive a short distance from uh, the international headquarters of John Banks's Civil War podcast uh, into the Oak Hill neighborhood uh, near downtown Nashville. And I noticed as I'm driving through this neighborhood, it's a residential neighborhood now, but in 1864, uh, this was basically open land. And there's a antebellum wall that runs through the neighborhood, the Oak Hill neighborhood. Uh, it's still there. You can see it running, uh, running through the neighborhood of Oak Hill. And I drive past this one house in the neighborhood, and uh, there's a witness tree from the Battle of Nashville there. 
It's a huge, massive oak. So this is about a couple weeks after a storm uh, in Nashville. And I noticed some of the limbs on the tree uh, were on the ground. And I'm wondering, oh my gosh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to get a piece of that tree. And I just happened to know uh, a friend of mine who lives in the neighborhood named Jim Kay, uh, who uh, I believe is a founding member of the Battle of Nashville Preservation Society. And I called him up and I said, hey, do you, do you know the, the folks who, who own the property where that witness tree is at? And Jim was the first person uh, to tell me about that tree. And I, I've been fascinated ever since. We drove around the neighborhood uh, several months ago and he pointed it out to me. And just as an aside, the top of the tree, the crown of the tree uh, is missing. And Jim told me it is believed that uh, it was taken out by uh, an artillery shell. So anyway, Jim contacts the uh, people who own the property and asks permission if we could go over there and get an up-close and personal look at the tree. And they, were, they said, sure, uh, come on over. And it just so happened that that was the day that they had uh, somebody there, an arborist, I guess is what you call them, to cut some of the limbs off the tree as they were kind of hanging over the house. So we get down there early one morning and Jim has uh, lived in this neighborhood for, for decades. Uh, In fact, uh, in uh, back in 1981, he found his first artillery shell. He told me in the Oak Hill neighborhood uh, near downtown Nashville. So we have all these uh, pieces of limb on the ground. And Jim has his metal detector. And he's waving his metal detector, Jim K, waving his metal detector over uh, these big chunks of tree that had fallen from this tree. And lo and behold, uh, Jim said that there is indeed... uh, metal somewhere in these big giant chunks and he had several of them set aside and the land and the property owner was fine with this uh, uh no problem at all and jim said there's something in there and what he's going to do is have these uh big pieces of tree uh x-rayed to see what the heck is in there and who knows what's going to be in this tree? It could be, frankly, it could be nails or it could be pieces of artillery shell from the Battle of Nashville, which was fought uh, December uh, 15th and 16th, uh, 1864. And, and the second day of the Battle of Nashville took place in this area, the Oak Hill neighborhood. Uh, and if you're familiar, if you've read up about the Battle of Nashville, um, you'll know that uh, Shy's Hill is nearby uh, where the left uh, <clears throat> flank of uh, John Bell Hood's army was anchored um, during the Battle of Nashville in 1864. Shy's Hill is nearby also. So these limbs are going to be x-rayed, and I've sent Jim uh, a note or two uh, just to check and see when those x-rays are going to be in. 
And when they are, I'm going to let uh, all you uh, folks out there in, uh, uh, I'll let you know what we find and what Jim has found uh, when, when they're x-rayed. And I'll be sure to um, post the results to uh, my Facebook page and probably end up writing about it uh, on the blog also. So there's that. Um, and that tree, by the way, uh, its girth, which is the, <laughs> the distance around the, the length around the middle, the tree is 200, it has a girth of 209 inches. Uh, it's a big tree. It's a beautiful tree, a big old oak. And uh, there may be five or six, maybe a few more witness trees from the Battle of Nashville uh, that still exist. The Battle of Nashville uh, battlefield, there's really not much to see. Uh, you have to know what to look for because the battlefield uh, has been, uh, almost all of it has been developed. There are pockets uh, that have been saved, uh, redoubt on Hillsboro Pike, uh, a couple of redoubts in that, uh, what is now a neighborhood, you can see those. Uh, the Battle of Nashville Preservation Society I believe it is redoubt number one has been saved. And it's, it's uh, interesting to see that because it's right square in the middle of a neighborhood. Uh, but that's kind of neat. Um, okay. Uh, I've kind of caught you up on what I've been doing on my summer vacation. Uh, if you were in my uh, in, uh, John Banks Civil War blog international headquarters, I would probably sit you down and and – and on the wall, I would project all the pictures from my various travels, but I, but I can't do that, and I won't do that. Uh, what I do want to talk about today is a story that I wrote for Civil War Times, again, that appeared in the August 2019 issue on Ford's Theater. And I've uh, been fascinated by this story uh, since I saw a small probably two-paragraph account uh, of it on newspapers.com. And in uh, June, on June 9th, 1893, Ford's Theater collapsed. Uh, and the story just had, you know, bare, bare bones details. Uh, so I was fascinated by that. And, and of course, that's where Abraham Lincoln was assassinated uh, in April uh, 1865. And 28 years later, this other great tragedy occurred there, and I had never read an extensive account of this tragic event. So I dived into newspapers.com. And if you don't know what newspapers.com is, it is a tremendous, tremendous resource. And I think the cost, I, it's, I subscribe to it, I believe it's $29.95 a year. It is worth every single penny. And they have digitized uh, hundreds, thousands of newspapers, uh, U.S. and some newspapers from Ireland and Great Britain too. And they're fully searchable. So I was curious. Uh, I wondered what had been written about 
this tragic collapse of Ford's Theater on June 9th, 1893. So I put in the, the terms, uh, Ford's Theater collapse, and oh my gosh, it, I got story upon story upon story. And some of the accounts were extremely detailed. Um, this was a big story back in the day. Uh, nearly two dozen people died in the collapse. And Ford's Theater in 1893 housed uh, the uh, records and pension division, uh, which is where they, you know, this is where the pensions for pension information for Civil War soldiers was, was, was kept. Again, Ford's Theater in the decades after uh, Lincoln was shot was converted into office space for this records and pension division. In 1893, by 1893, this was a ramshackle building. It was not in good shape. Uh, it was dark. It was dusty. It was dank. Uh, Ford's Theater was three floors, of course. So I dig into newspapers.com to find all this information on the collapse. And it was really astounding. Very richly detailed stories about what happened there uh, that day. And here, in essence, is what happened. Um, the, they were, uh, an electric light plant was being installed in Ford's Theater in the basement, which weakened the structure. So on the morning of June 9th, 1893, all, hundreds of these records and pension division clerks uh, file into their, uh, their dank and cramped office space. And all of a sudden, this building at 930, it was a, uh, according to one account, it was a rumble like an earthquake, was felt in the belly of the building. And soon it became a great roar. Then came a crash like the end of the world, according to one person. And some thought it was an explosion, uh, but it was no explosion. It was the building collapsing, again, apparently because the electric light plant had weakened some of the, uh, some of the structure. And I'm going to read you uh, just a, a couple graphs, maybe three graphs of my account here that, again, appears in the August 2019 issue of Civil War times. And according to newspapers, uh, uh, according to one account, uh, the Ford's Theater became a pit of chaos. And I'll, I'll read you what I wrote here. Robert Walker looked up in horror as massive wooden beams and bricks mixed with mortar crashed through the first floor ceiling. As if scooped out by a massive hand, a chasm was created from the first to third floors by a collapse inside the red brick building. Quote, I turned, and as I was going over the desk behind me, I was buried. I had no idea how long I was there. I had given up all hope of getting out. The weight was crushing the life out of me and mortar dirt smothering me. Joseph Foyt, who was sitting at his third, first floor desk, he was lucky. The ceiling immediately above his head was buttressed by a row of posts and didn't collapse. Covered with dust, 
He and several of his co-workers crawled to the front of the three-story building, broke glass in the windows, squeezed through the narrow space, and escaped. Almost comically, another first-floor worker crawled under a row of desks to safety. One clerk escaped death by climbing the shelving on the bottom floor, unsure where he was going. Three men on the first floor saved themselves by jumping into a large vault. Of course, the people on the first floor were the lucky ones. The people who were on the upper floor were really in difficult, difficult position. And I'll read you another two, two graphs of my story. Upper floor survivors recalled anguished screams of co-workers who plummeted into a pit of chaos. A third floor witness said Civil War veterans who worked in the building were the wildest and craziest. They seemed delirious, he recalled, uh, a man recalled, and had to be held to keep them from jumping out. One clerk thought the building had been dynamited. Dust lingered in the air, making it difficult to breathe. So this was an incredible scene on June 9, 1893. And when the Rescue workers arrived on the scene. The accounts say they were struck by the eerie silence when they arrived at the building because there were no screams of anguish. There was just dust settling. It was just a very eerie scene. And, of course, they quickly went, uh, went about the uh, difficult task of finding out who was still alive and... Uh, the difficult task of take, carrying out uh, the dead. Uh, so this was really an incredible scene down there, and it was underreported. I was really struck by the fact that I couldn't find a narrative story uh, about that uh, tragic incident in 1893. Uh, some of my story, of course, there's, there's finite space in print, uh, and there was some really interesting uh, uh, little tidbits that didn't make the story sort of ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, and some of these I culled from uh, the Washington Post accounts that day and uh, over the, the course of the next several days. The Washington Post had terrific uh, coverage of this event. And one of the things that I was particularly impressed by uh, on the front page of the Washington Post, they had this amazing graphic uh, showing where each of the uh, uh, injured or uh, uh, civil, uh, pension clerks were sitting uh, that day uh, when, the, when the building collapsed. Really an, an impressive graphic. And... The Washington Post sent out uh, several reporters to do some good old-fashioned uh, shoe leather reporting. And the accounts that they had were just really, some of them are really heart-rending accounts. Uh, when a Washington Post reporter visited the home of Dr. Burroughs Nelson, uh, he was, his body was, was found in the, in the rubble. Uh, he goes to this house, and the reporter was greeted by Dr. Nelson's son. And the, and the young man goes, say, mister, 
when is Papa coming home? And he was crying and very tearful. He will come home tomorrow, won't he? And of course, he wasn't coming home. He was one of the, the, the dead men in the, uh, in the rubble of Ford's Theater. Nelson, Dr. Burroughs Nelson was a dentist and he was also working as a clerk at Ford's Theater to make ends meet. And his wife was pregnant with their sixth child. Uh, the family thought he had, gone, had taken the day off uh, to go fishing. Um, an investigation of the collapse of Ford Theater uh, again determined that uh, it collapsed because a pier had given way during excavation in the basement for the electric light plant. And, and I found a, 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 an er, interesting tidbit. There was a white cat that lurked in uh, Ford's Theater. And the cat, uh, which used to uh, apparently it lived in the nooks and crannies of this dark, dank uh, building, uh, a good Samaritan found this large white cat uh, in the ruins and, and carried it to safety. Uh, that was kind of a, a neat little uh, tidbit about the collapse of Ford's Theater. If you go to my blog, John Banks' Civil War blog, uh, and Google, you can either Google Ford's Theater and, and John Banks' Civil War blog, uh, I wrote an additional story of uh, some of the other stuff, uh, some of the other neat anecdotes that I found uh, regarding the collapse of Ford's Theater in 1893. You can also see some photos uh, which uh, were available, uh, which I pulled from the, li the excellent Library of Congress website. And uh, you can examine those. They're really uh, stark and, and just pretty, pretty unbelievable uh, to see what happened. You have this massive chasm uh, in the middle of what uh, uh, is Ford's Theater near the White House. And uh, so there's five or six, seven photos uh, along with the, the post, uh, uh, along with that post. And of course, if you want to read the entire story, you can either get the print uh, version of Civil War Times uh, or you can read it online. If you Google Ford's Theater Collapse and my name, uh, the entire story is online for you to check that out. Okay, well, again, uh, for listening to my debut podcast, we have a, a gift for all listeners. You have my eternal gratitude. Uh, uh, again, this is the, uh, the, the first edition of, of my podcast. And in the future, uh, we're going to have some, some, I think, interesting guests from the Civil War community. So thank you for listening. Thank you for reading my blog. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, reading the Facebook page. We're up and over 6,400 followers, I believe. And I think we're in somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,100 likes. So I really appreciate your readership. Uh, we're going to do some, uh, I have plans to do some uh, interesting reporting for, uh, for Civil War Times and America's Civil War on, on a couple more stories. Uh, on the next podcast, I'll let you know what that is. Uh, tomorrow morning, early tomorrow morning, we'll be leaving 
uh, the international headquarters of John Banks' Civil War blog and heading to uh, two hours to Chickamauga Battlefield. We'll be riding uh, my bike on the battlefield and I'll make some occasional stops and perhaps we'll do a couple uh, Facebook Live videos for you. So again, thanks for listening uh, to the debut of John Banks' Civil War blog podcast. Appreciate your uh, listenership. I guess that's what it is. And I hope you have a great weekend. Take care.